Lord, we thank you for this day and to your glory and honor because none of it starts or finishes without you. I uh, ask you to enlighten me, Rabbi David, that we would know and understand your appointed times, and we will be sure to give all the glory and the honor to you and your son, Yeshua. In Yeshua's name. Okay. So again, welcome. There are a few uh, new faces as well. We won't do our normal initiation rites with anyone, so don't worry about that this evening. But um, like I said, my name is David Katz, if you don't know. And uh, as I mentioned at the outset, we're going to spend uh, r- roughly the next nine weeks kind of the lead up into um, the start of the, the next sort of high holy day uh, cycle, which will be starting in Rosh Hashanah after the summer, basically. So, kind of between now and then, we'll be looking at the whole uh, overview of, of the biblical piece, um, and I'll explain some more what that is. Again, tonight's going to be basically an introduction, but I anticipate that we'll probably take each each uh, chapter and spend spend the week on it, and if it, tend, if it turns out to be too much for one week, maybe we'll tip over into the next week. I don't anticipate that, but an hour goes by quickly, and sometimes with questions and different things, you never know. So... That's kind of what you can anticipate uh, going forward. So, God's appointed times. What are, if I were to say, what are God's appointed times? Uh, what are they? Anyone have any, any thoughts or anything that come to mind or want to share what you think of when you hear the term, God's appointed times? Anyone? Hmm? Leviticus 23 comes to mind. Okay. Anything else? I, I always think of a time set apart. A time set apart? Okay. Time set apart. I think of the Hebrew word moed. Hebrew word moed. All these things are all, these are all foreshadowing some of some of the notes later tonight, some of what's going to come in, in future weeks. But that's good stuff. So Leviticus 23, um, the word moed. Set-apartness, that's actually very important. I'll probably talk about that next week when we talk about the Shabbat, which will be the first, first one next week. Anything else? I see it as like something that keeps reoccurring. Reoccurring? Mm-hmm. Okay. So anything else? There have been no wrong answers yet. Let's see if someone wants to get the first wrong. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ariel? Um, I think it's the particular events that God wanted us to commemorate. Particular events that God wanted us to commemorate. Miss Mary? Focus on him. Focus on him. Okay. Those are all good answers. Actually, I should have wrote them up there. Let me do that. That's, that's some good stuff, actually. So we said Leviticus 23. Set apart. Focus on him. Michael said Moed. I can't remember how I, I should not spell, but anyways. Moed. I was doing the Hebrew, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Moed. Um, commemoration. Said, commemoration. And Katrina said perpetual in a sense, right? We'll talk about time and some of these other things next week. Um, but for this week, I want, I want to basically say, the, we, we talk about, the, they're called the biblical feasts, the feasts of Israel. Definitely, definitely remind us of the nation of Israel, right? This is who they were designed for initially. Um, so I would say all of the above. All of the above are, are adequate and appropriate things to, 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 to label, if you will, what it means when we're talking about God's appointed times. <clears throat> now, 
These are also the biblical holy days, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, in terms of what's in this particular book that we're looking at, uh, if you were to look at the table of contents, um, there are primarily what I would say are major, because it, it, no matter what we study, it's going to kind of come down to some practicalities and what we see in the Jewish community, what we see celebrated in our own Messianic community. And even some churches, you might find some churches, there's actually one up, uh, north, uh, north of here that um, is run by a Jewish gentleman, and they, they observe a lot of these things as well. So there are more what I would say are um, in your notes, and I've got some of your notes and also some of my notes. You may have some of these things in your notes. Um, the, the first things I want to talk about are what's called maybe the major, major times or major God's appointed times. And I said that these are, in other words, the more, quote, known or popular ones. Um, these would be the ones that most any Jew, even a secular Jewish person, someone growing up with some just basic modicum of Jewish identity is going to know what these are. They're going to have... They'll know what the Shabbat is, although sometimes the Shabbat is overlooked as one of the, 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 the feast days. We don't think about that as one of the ones. We'll find out next week. It's probably, it is the major and the very first set-aside uh, appointed time. Pesach or Passover, most are going to know about that. Shavuot, maybe to a lesser extent, I'm not sure, but certainly in the, the larger body of Messiah. Most everyone, you say, what's Shavuot? Ask, ask your, your, quote, your non-Messianic uh, Jewish believer, person. You ever heard of Shavuot? No, I never heard of that. Ever heard of Pentecost? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Same, same thing. Same, same event. So that's, that's known. Uh, trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah, the new year. Rosh Hashanah meaning head, or Rosh meaning head, Hashanah, the year, head of the year. Uh, the Day of Atonement, often said Yom Kippur, right? <laughs> Yom, someone say Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. Day of Atonement, Sukkot, right, the Feast of Tabernacles, <clears throat> one that's probably getting popular and known even in moderate Jewish circles. Purim, of course, that's kind of that's a big one now. It's a it's kind of become the Jewish uh, the Jewish Halloween in a sense, um, and it's the, it's from the Book of Esther, the story of Esther, the recounting of that. And then Hanukkah, um, which is funny and usually one that's highlighted the most. However, it's very minor. Um, it's the Feast of Dedication. It's not the Festival of Lights, okay? We hear that all the time, the Festival of Lights and Lights, and we put up our Hanukkah lights and so forth. Are lights in the story? Yes. Is it the Festival of Lights? No. It's the Feast of Dedication. Um, and it's biblical, really, by way of the, the New Covenant Scriptures. That's really the only specific reference we have to the Feast of Dedication in the book of John, chapter 10, where Yeshua, Jesus, is going up to the temple during that, during that feast, during that time. Uh, it's mentioned there. As far as Old Testament references uh, or Old Covenant Jewish Bible references, we have a lot of allusions to probably what would be the feast of, in terms of a, from a prophetic standpoint in the book of Daniel. You read about the abomination of desolation and this abomination and abomination all, all through the book of Daniel. Um, and that is likely, you know, with this Hellenistic persecution and so forth, a picture of the Feast of Dedication, but not as, it's not mentioned specifically like we see it in the book of John. So those are what I what I categorized under the uh, the major times or what are more known. And, I, and I, again, some of this is my personal experience. Um, just that you know, if I, growing up, I, I would have heard of all these lesser known times. You might find this interesting. I put unleavened bread there because uh, growing up Jewish, maybe Larry, you can sh you can share your thoughts on it. I mean, we we ate matzah for one day, Passover. I never had a week of. I didn't realize there was a a whole feast of the week after Passover. I didn't know that. That's not just not what I knew. 
Um, so that's a little lesser known, I would say. This, this um, it's, although it is part of Passover, it's linked to Passover, and we will be looking at it with Passover. This Chag uh, Hamatzah, the the festival of the matzah, um, and certainly I'd never heard of Sifirat Haomer, the counting of the Omer. I'd never counted an Omer, didn't know what an Omer was, uh, and so certainly that was again lesser known. I.e., I said less popular. Now even lesser known when you get into. If you become part of a, of a Jewish community or a Messianic Jewish community, uh, you'll find that, man, we're celebrating all the time. There's always, I mean, there's always something going on. We have these leadership meetings, and it, like, amazes me. It's like, have you got to look at the calendar? Like, ah, again, the calendar, you know, and it's, and it's not like something's going to happen nine weeks. You know, it's going to be, we're kind of in this lull right now in the summer, but after that, it's like, boom, there's always something going on. And so I, I listed a few of these things. These are things that are, we're not going to be covering in this study, but these are things that, um, are, are festival days in a sense, but not the biblical holy days. But some of these are things I, may, I wrote a few of them down here. We've got, you know, Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance, Israeli Independence, Day of Jerusalem, Lag Ba'om, or Tisha B'Av, Tu B'Shvat, Simchat Torah, all of these other celebrations. And some of them are, there's also many lead-up things to some of the existing holidays. Like when Yeshua says, go and make preparation for the Passover, for example, there are things that are lead-ups to. Sometimes there are physical things, like making preparation for the Passover. Sometimes they are more spiritual or contemplative things, like times of uh, contemplation. It's called slichot, or you know, preparing yourself to enter these holy days. So there's all kinds. If you were to look into some of the, if you were to Google and you go look in a biblical holy days and so forth, you'll find these, and you'll find so many others, and some that are observed, some that aren't observed. Um, but again, our, our focus in the focus of, of Barney Kasdan's book um, are the, the biblical, if you will, God's appointed times, the, the ones that we find very well laid out in the Bible, which leads me to the next question, which Jorge has preempted the answer already, is where do we find the major guiding text for these biblical holidays? And if you didn't hear what he said, it's Leviticus chapter 23. So if you were to, you don't have to right now, if you were to turn to Leviticus chapter 23, that's going to be the guiding text um, for, for the, the, the biblical things that, that Barney, or Rabbi Kasdan lays out here. Leviticus 23 is lays out. These feasts are mentioned elsewhere as well. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But that's where the, the seven feasts are laid out in detail. So that's the, that's the what are the, the, the God's appointed times, the where of the God's appointed times in terms of where we find them in the Bible. When? When are we told to celebrate the feast? Now, uh, we talked about set apart or um, uh, perpetual and so forth. There is a certain calendar, but the big kind of umbrella picture uh, of when we're told to celebrate these um, these feasts is that uh, those Hebrew characters that are looking at you there, which say chukat olam. Chukat is one of the words that's used when, when you know, Often when we read the New Covenant or somewhere, we talk about the, the law, the evil law, okay? Right? The evil, the binding, oppressive law of God. So we think that's just law. Well, the truth is, when God lays out law, I'm putting my quotation marks here in, in the Tanakh and the Hebrew Scriptures, there's several words that are used for that. We've got Torah, which is instruction. We've got uh, chukat. Um, there's several others, but that, this chukat one is statutes. It's the statutes is ordinances, is standards and so forth. And this is one of the ones. This is this is one of those words there that kind of encompasses that. It's uh, chukat, which is a statute. And that olam is a word that's not ambiguous. It's not the word yom. Yom is day or there's a word for hour, month. This is kind of, this is the word that means 
forever or eternal, eternally. And you see that listed many places in the, in the, in the Bible. And certainly in this Leviticus 23 section, when you read uh, about these biblical feast days, you see that there are to be a chukat olam, statute forever. Okay? And I'll, I'll, I'll touch a little bit uh, kind of what that, what that kind of uh, causes, how it causes some consternation with some people and not sure what to do with that. So we'll talk about that a little later as well, uh, at least touch on it. So that's the, the what. What are God's appointed times? The where do we celebrate them? When are we to celebrate them? Again, when is, is forever. How are we to celebrate them? Whew. I'm glad he wrote a book, right? <laughs> because you read Leviticus 23, and it does talk about some things in there, right? But like many things in the Bible, and this is where rabbinic Judaism comes in. If you remember my friend Joe Charnas, an Orthodox Jew, was here a year or so ago, whatever it was, and kind of at the end, he was sort of jamming it in at the end, and he, I don't know if you kind of caught what he was saying, um, that there are many things we can look at in the Torah and say, okay, it says this, but how are you supposed to carry that out? You know? And do it like the way I showed you, God says to Moses. Well, Moses didn't then draw a blueprint and show us what he's actually showed him. So on the one hand, Leviticus 23 goes into the, some of the details, goes into, I mean, the such and such day of this month, you'll have to do this, and, and so forth. But then other things aren't very clear, so it gets a little trickier than that. Um, and that's where tradition does enter. And Rabbi Kazin will talk about some of the traditional things that are done, and hopefully we can see that there is some value and there's some benefit. We all have tradition. I remember, um, I think it was at seminary, somebody you know was saying, I... Only what's in the Bible. I don't follow tradition. Only what's in the Bible. Only what's in the Bible. No tradition. What do you think you're holding in your hand? <laughs> and this, this did not drop from heaven. This is, this, is a, this is the product of tradition. So the truth is tradition does have a role to play, and there are some things that, that we get out of this tradition. But I think what we'll see is that it's not, uh, it's not all consistent. You know, there's a, Barney Kasdan is not going to talk about every single tradition, because there's a lot. You, you'd be amazed at the, uh, the amount of discrepancy, so to speak, in, in the tradition. Um, you know, when we read about in the book... In, 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 sure. Actually, there's some notes on the back table, Fred, if you want to grab some notes. Okay. Um, there are uh, things with regard to tradition. Again, when we read about Yom Kippur, it'll say, to deny yourselves. Well, that's been interpreted as it's fasting, okay? Um, does it mean fasting? I think it does, but again, there's there's question. Does that mean food and water? Complete food and water. I mean, what kind of fasting? You know, uh, when we get to uh, not eating leaven on Yom uh, on Passover, uh, we don't eat anything on Yom Kippur, right? Uh, Passover. Well, what is leaven? Well, well, it's the five grains, right? Hummets. We we define that as uh, leaven products. That's from the five species of grain. Anyone know what the five species of grain is? Wheat, barley, rice. Well, hold on. Millet. <laughs> wheat, wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and, and, and rye. Okay? Now, now, Ashkenazi Jews then added rice, millet, corn, legumes. They have a word for that. Now, the conservative movement in Israel has said that those extra things, the rice, millet, the corn, the legumes, that's okay. Even by the, I mean, the point is, it gets detailed debate. Legumes or no legumes? Spelt or no spelt? Water Bible, or no water. Water or no water, exactly. And the Bible tells us what? Chametz. And talks about talks about chametz, right? Um, some other words. So the point is, that's where tradition comes in. What about when we were to grab the species on, on Sukkot and wave the four species? Well, in what way are they to be arranged, these leaves, these myrtle leaves? And so do we shake them 
this way? This way? I mean, we shake one with each hand. I mean, how do we shake them? And so everybody comes up, well, this is how you shake them. And you shake them this way and that way. And 45 degrees to the left, another 5 degrees, then up, down. I mean, so it gets very detailed as to what exactly these things mean. Okay? So the how gets a little more tricky. And we'll look at, again, we want to, we want to stick to initially what's told to us here. And then we're going to look, you know, what some, some of the other traditions are and see, is there something, is there value in there? And I think we'll find that there is. So that's some of the how. So why? Why should we observe the feasts and the festivals? Okay, I'll put a couple possible reasons, and those aren't necessarily what I'm saying are reasons. Those are what I'm saying, you know, uh, maybe some people would give as the possible reasons why we would even celebrate the feasts, okay? So I'll give you the ones I wrote. If you think of something else, some people would say, we are to celebrate these feasts and observe these feasts because we're supposed to. Didn't you just see Chukat Olam? I mean, what is it? Something about forever you didn't get, you know? Um, then we see, you know, we can read, we'll, well, I have referenced a little bit later, Romans 14, uh, you know, you can celebrate it if you want to, okay? You can if you, if you want to. And then you're going to get the other side of the spectrum. We are not supposed to, okay? But before we get into that, let's talk for just a second about why because obviously you're here because, I mean, I assume you're not here just to argue and say, this is nonsense, we shouldn't celebrate. I assume everybody has an interest in the feast here, right? Um, why do you? What are some reasons maybe that have brought you here today? Freddie drove you, I know, but. What? So I drove him. He was tired. That's your new car. Okay. So, so yeah, so why, why do you think they're popular? Why why is the study and observance of the feast popular? Well, I don't know I'm, I don't know why other people celebrate, but I know why I do. I do because... You need to tell me exactly why Layla does. But anyway, uh, what I, no, I was going to say is I was reading, I, it, it's some, is it Leviticus? Or, or when the Lord is talking about the feast, he says, these are my holy days and you will. And I actually felt like he, when I read that, he was... So you felt compelled? Yeah, more than right, compelled. So convicted? Like you better do this. Any other reasons you think they're popular? Nowadays, anyone? Well, the appointed days are appointed by God. They're mm-hmm. not man-made days. We didn't make them up and say, oh, we'll go ahead and do this for the Lord. It's going the other way around. Non-man-made. <coughs> yeah, they're non-man-made, and I think obedience is important. Let's give maybe two more suggestions. Uh, to put it in remembrance. Mm-hmm. To remember what he's done and to draw near to him. I'm trying to look for something, too. That's good. But maybe why you think it's they're popular? Why why, why are people interested in this? Because of Mashiach. Because you okay. see Mashiach. Ariel, did you have something? To okay. You sure? This is the only thing I've ever known, so I don't know. Okay. Okay. So tradition. That's that's a good one. And right, I'll, I'll, we can express our gratefulness to mm-hmm. our provider. I'll take one more show. Well, it's funny because I came from a tradition where I was told you're not to do this. Yeah. And as I've grown and understood what it feels like to me, the word when you ask that question, mm-hmm. it's opportunity. Opportunity? I think it feels like an opportunity that I wasn't granted before. I didn't know that it was okay. So it just feels like opportunity to me. How about enlightenment? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No? Okay. So these are all some, some good reasons. And again, I, I put these kind of the, ed- the edges of the spectrum because I do find that, you know, we have a lot of people that come through the doors of Yishatzion for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's these reasons. Sometimes they get a hold of it. I put down there a scripture, um, 2 Timothy 3.16. Does everyone know that scripture? It says, all scripture is, is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we say, all scripture 
What all scripture do you think he was referring to there? At a minimum, maybe there were some of the, the, the newer Messianic writing scriptures, possibly, but most likely the, the, the Tanakh in some amount or another. So they say, man, why are we ignoring all these things, right? Um, not only that, we look at, uh, I have Deuteronomy 29, 29 there. That's the verse that talks about the, the, the thing, the, there are mysteries that only God can hold, the things that he's been revealed to us, they're for us. And the point is, hey, they revealed this to us, so this is for us. And, but I also put here that I think, so people are getting a hold of the fact that, hey, this is a big part of the Bible that the larger body of Messiah maybe is, is not putting much emphasis on, and it's in the Word of God. Scripture tells us that all Scripture is, is useful for us and for teaching and training and so forth. But then also, if you read the, new, if you read the, the, the writings from Matthew on, right, um, unless you're, you're going you're gonna to miss stuff, it's, it's, it's talking about trumpets. It's talking about Yeshua, Jesus being first fruits. It's talking about the Passover. And, you know, if we don't know, you know, we do... Thessalonians talk about that. The trumpet will sound. There's a whole reference to trumpets that takes us back into the Tanakh. And if we don't know what that is, we're going to miss that. So a lot of the teaching uh, references these festivals. Sir, you were going to say something? Tell me if you agree with this. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask for you. Okay. That we're, we're interpreting the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. The New Testament will give us light of a lot of things that the Old Testament is saying. It gives us a revelation of what the Old Testament is saying. Would you agree? So you're saying which direction are you saying to go from the Old from? Testament? The, the New Testament will give light to the Old Testament. We are to interpret the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, because it gives us gives us light and understanding the revelation of what the Old Testament is saying. The New Testament. Now, some of both directions. See, the thing is now you're, you're going to read from the. You know, it's kind of like saying um, hilarious, for example, has to do with the Greek word hilarion. It's not that way. It's the other way around. But, but yes, we, we definitely look, we call it the, the testimony of Scripture. We look at when the New Testament, if the New Testament says, hey, and it says you'll be born of a virgin, that's a big reason for me to believe that Isaiah 7, 14 is talking about a virgin. Um, so yes, I would agree that we want to inter interpret Scripture with Scripture. Absolutely. Diane? Oh, I was also thinking like John 10, I think it is. It was winter, Jesus went into Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of lights. Dedication. Feast of Dedication. <laughs> You missed that yeah. part. I, I talked about that right when I started. Feast of Dedication, absolutely. So we got to. So again, that's exactly what I'm saying. We have these references in the New Testament, the New Covenant Scriptures, that if we don't know what they're rooted in, sure, we're not, we're not going to miss the message, the with a big M of of Yeshua's, you know, of, of atonement and all these things. Without this, but there's going to be something we're going to gain by knowing the foundation of, 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 of where, where these these teachings are coming from. Um, the future tabernacling of Yeshua. What is what? We have no tabernacle. We live together. But what about the Feast of Tabernacles? You know what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about? I mean, have you celebrated? Are you gonna, you're going to celebrate it in the new heaven and new earth, so why not try practice it now? Miss Joanne. Yeah, it, I'm not sure I can say that it's just that the new covenant experience the old. I have to say the old, also experience the new. Yeah, so exactly. We want to read the proper direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there are times when we have actual interpretations, for sure. You know, you have, you have you know, what did David mean when he said? I mean, obviously you've got things like that, so clearly there are there are some back and forth. The problem I see is when we only go that one way, I think it's probably what you're getting at. When we only say everything, you know, we point and say everything is, that's what that meant, that's what that meant because of what it says here. That's, that's I'm, I'm probably pointing the wrong way for some of you guys. But, uh, um, so let's say, so, let me see, we, yeah, so I guess my point also is that to say, if we, we, we don't want to, I'm saying all this to say that one of the, I think, an important reason to study the biblical feasts or why they should be popular beyond, they should definitely be beyond any kind of 
um, they're kind of cool, or that's the word I'm trying to think of is um, not in a, in a patronizing. We don't want it to be just kind of for that reason. We want to realize that it's not just some type of ancient relic, and that everything's fulfilled in Yeshua. Everything's fulfilled in Yeshua. I mean, we, we get into the picture of the feast and how they, they flow. I think they do show a picture of Yeshua coming, but there's a part that hasn't come yet. I mean, the tabernacling part. <laughs> Yeshua has not, has not returned. So we don't want to look at it just as this is kind of neat and it's, it's, it's fun to look back and see what, what happened there, but that it's relevant. It had to be relevant for, it was relevant for the, for the New Covenant believers, right? Would, those, those illustrations and metaphors wouldn't have been brought up there if they weren't. It was relevant in the Tanakh. So it's got to be relevant for us as well now. Any comments on that? I see a lot of some... I have a comment. Yes? I think... I didn't. I mean, you're talking basically about the applicability of Scripture to, to, to all believers, I imagine. That's kind of what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Since, yeah when the, for all of the, one of the reasons, you know, I mean, God gives me these pieces and says, and he has his reasons. And but the fact that we are grafted in means that we also benefit, as it were, are blessed. And at, yeah. at least at the least, we are at sure. blessed by keeping these pieces. Sure. Now, I'm probably speaking, you know, they say preaching to the choir here in a sense, but I still want to cover these things because this is, you know, many of us, we, we, we don't, oh, we're not always in this group and you're, we're amongst other people quite often. So I wanted to bring up some of these other items. The other side of the coin as to why these might not be popular. Why when maybe, you know, you folks talk to some of your people back at your church and say, hey, when's this thing on the appointed feast? What are you talking about? That's Old Testament. You might run into something. What are some of the things that you might run into where people would say, this is kind of a waste of your time. What are you doing? Why would this not be popular? Just... I was thinking because a lot of times instead of seeing the homeless um, people section things out, these are Jewish mm-hmm. holidays, these are our holidays, we can't celebrate those holidays okay. because those are Jewish holidays. That's a good question. That's kind of goes to what Maurice was saying, I think, for sure. Um, and I, and I agree with that specifically. I wanted to at least raise a few scriptures because I think that's a, that's a key as well. We can talk about we should this, that, this, this is how I feel. But then someone's going to come to you maybe with, uh, I put a couple of verses here, um, Isaiah 1, 13 to 14. I won't read that one, but I was going to read Amos 5. If you want to turn to Amos, or I'll just read Amos 5, 21. And again, these things can be taken, you know, someone might come to you and say, hey, man, you went to this thing about the, the feast. Look what it says here in Amos 5, 21. It says, I hate I despise your feast days. This is God talking, right? And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I won't accept them and so forth. We have this in, in, uh, in Psalms as well. Again, Isaiah has the same idea that, I mean, it's disgusting, the smell of your food. This is, just, this is something I don't like at all. So how do we answer those kind of questions? Do we think that God is saying that, that he despises the feast days and so forth? This was the way I look at that is that anything that's done for show or that is just empty, repetitive rope, without you doing it without any thought or without any connection, I think that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. In part. Okay. Any other thoughts? And it references the same thing in, in Malachi, too, where mm-hmm. they were bringing 
sacrificial animals that were not spotless and were not pure. Sure. And, and God was angry with that, and he says, I love obedience rather more than sacrifice. Right. Because Jews actually will, will, will point to that in some cases, that you know we don't need a Savior. God wants obedience. He doesn't want sacrifice. Believe it or not, Jewish people will point. Because we, we just finished a series on Jewish evangelism and so forth. And, I mean, Jewish people will have that argument. God, he, he doesn't want sacrifice anymore anyways. Now, we're talking about sacrifice. I know this is kind of all wrapped up in the festivals and sacrifices, and even kosher gets in here and so forth, too. Any other thoughts about, like, a verse like this here in, in, uh, in Amos? Wasn't it more contextual, though? He, he's pointing to what they're bringing or how they're performing it, but it really actually backs up what he's really saying is, I don't like the way you're living your life. Your yeah. life is full of deceit yeah. and... So this and therefore, is, you're, what you're doing in my holy feast, you're, you, you started from polluted place, place and you're bringing me pollution. How dare, Phil, you bring context into this? Context. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the key. Actually, obviously, this is the key to the whole thing. Is we've, we've talked about Bible study before and what's the three main points, context, context, and context. And so that's exactly right. Because when you, when you read, for instance, this particular passage in, God forbid, context, um, you see that, that God's saying, boy, did you guys, you know, did you offer me sacrifices in the desert? Actually, I did a study on this, this passage in seminary, and this is a big exegetical crux, as they call it. Did the Israelites, you know, offer, it says a few verses before, did they offer sacrifices? Uh, did you offer your sacrifices to me in the, in the, when we were in the desert? And actually, it comes, it comes a little bit um, later. It says, did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness of 40 years, O house of Israel? Verse 25 there, it's a big question among these you know, theologians is did he did they or did they not? But I think this actually adds to the context of what's going on here. Well, the fact is, sure they did. But I think the desert conjures up all kinds of images of other things. We can think of some things. A little episode uh, called the Golden Calf episode, for example, that happened in the desert. And basically, I believe he's so they're gonna they're gonna think that really it's kind of what Phil is saying is that in the past you were sustained by the Lord. It wasn't due to any kind of just mechanical adherence to whatever it is, whether it's you know the Shabbat or whether it's the, the feast days or whatever. Um, and in like manner, you know, even nowadays, just like in the wilderness, where it's just because your it wasn't your mechanical adherence to these rules or laws or feast days or finally not gathering the manna after I had to kill somebody over this, you know, or make the stuff turn to worms. Finally, you got it. In like manner, even nowadays, you don't want to you don't want to two time on God in a sense. And he's talking about uh, hypocrisy. And the bottom line is that any kind of um, like Russell was saying, any kind of fleshy or fleshly perspective will never line up with God's uh, perspective. You know, you can see it in Samuel. You know, I don't look at things the way the way you do. Um, and really, you see in Amos, as a matter of fact, in this section here, he's. He's really lamenting over this, this idea of this, oh, you're always saying, oi, oi, oi. But Mary, you were going to say something? Yes, I'm saying that God wants us to separate the pagan false gods and worship them because there was demand for worship specific things, mm -hmm. terrible things. Right. And he wants to separate the Jews from them, and I don't want that. Sure. And initially, and that's, and, and when you, when you, I mean, even studying this book, we're going to, you know, like anything, when you read the Bible, the depth is very deep, and so we're going to scratch the surface in a sense, um, but you're going to see exactly what Mary's saying, is that the truth is that the the feast days or anything that's in the Word is, is a gift, and is a gift to us, and it was initially, there were times when it's initially to set apart, um, to, to, to set the nation apart, but ultimately he, uh, he does not want 
hypocrisy. That's what he's preaching against. And most of these passages that you will find, um, maybe that somebody might offer as a, uh, you know, a, what do you call it, a pushback against you studying this or thinking there's any value um, in studying the feast days. Um, I definitely want to look at Colossians 2. If you read the introduction of this book, you probably saw that he referenced Colossians 2. So I definitely want to look at Colossians 2 because that's a pretty, pretty uh, powerful one too that's sometimes offered as, as an argument uh, against you know, any keeping of these days. So if you get to Colossians 2, why don't I have a uh, look around here. Do you have a Bible already on your phone? Would you read Colossians 2? Uh, 16 to 17. Right, so shadow. We talk about, uh, you hear talk of obsolescence and shadow, and why would you mess with a shadow, um, and, and so forth. And certainly, now I do believe there is something here for us, as well as in Romans 14, with regard to how we present this, these things to other people, how we, you know, say I celebrate the feast days and kind of ask somebody if they do, kind of a litmus test for their faith. I mean, I think there's something instructive here for us not to do that. But what about this um, this idea of, you know, hey, the feast days are just a shadow. I mean, the real substance is the Messiah. Why are you messing with with a shadow? Well, what do you think about that? David might think that's a foreshadowing. A foreshadowing? Who do you got? Which TLV? Sometimes, as a matter of fact, you might even have um, there's di- the different there's some there's some significant differences before I get into that particular part of the translation. I want to back up and, and see that that this section uh, certainly this is sixteen. Mine starts off with so, some of yours has therefore, but there's certainly a connection, a connection with, with, with what comes before it. Um, and it talks about the Go back to verse 8, for example. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. So clearly we're talking about man-made tradition. We're, we're going to see pretty clearly that what we're, the majority of what we're talking about is not man-made tradition. That's one thing. Um, hardly the, those observances. But what other translations do we have for verse 17 um, in terms of the... Sh- of the we saw shadow, foreshadow. Anyone have the words like mere shadow, only a shadow, some kind only, of qualifier for shadow? Only the shadow. Only? Mm-hmm. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come, and they have only a symbolic value. Only a symbolic. Any other, any other qualifiers for shadow? Does anyone have? I know Michael loves it. King James and New King James just says a shadow. Well, the reality is a lot of translations will put in there only, when you read only a shadow, merely a shadow, just a shadow, I mean, that, that's, that puts a bit of a negative spin on things, doesn't it? And uh, the truth is, in, in the Greek there, there's, I mean, it just says, is shadow. I mean, there's no merely, only, that is an interpretation for sure. Uh, not to get too deep into to Bible inter- translation, but really, it's all interpretive. Every, every translation is an interpretation at some level. And so you might see things are a mere shadow. Uh, things are only a shadow. But that's added. That is certainly added to the translation. Um, and the interesting thing is, uh, I was reading a commentary by David Stern. If you don't have David Stern's commentary, you ought to get David Stern's uh, New Testament, uh, Jewish New Testament commentary. 
And he made a real good point there. He said, look, if something were to be added, if we were to add something there about the shadow, uh, we should add the word definitely or indeed. So it would read that these things are definitely a shadow or indeed a shadow of what is to come. Okay? That the festivals do indeed have value since God commanded the Jewish people to observe them because, they, as it was mentioned earlier, they remind us of, of, of who God is and what he does. Any thoughts about that? Sure. You lost your name tag. You can't, you can't make a comment. I'm sorry. Your name tag came right off. The question to ask, that I think sometimes when you look at this, is yeah. what creates a shadow? It's light. Oh, you're going ahead. Look at that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the light of God's word that will, will give us direction on a lot of the things that are being say, said about uh, uh, the traditions and, and the things in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that is given to us. It is, it is the, the light is, is him, the light of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ is our light, mm-hmm. you know. So Christ will give us the direction in this area of what what is to be said. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Well, I'll get at this. You're, you're getting close to what I'm going to. I wouldn't disagree, but I'm getting close. To, getting close to what I'm going to talk about. You probably see in your notes there. But any other any other thoughts? About shadow, mere shadow, only shadow, foreshadow. Well, this one seems to really take a lot of. I don't know. Liberty. Liberty. It says in but the reality and. Parentheses: The substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, yeah. the body of it, mm. belongs to Christ. Mm-hmm. So. Like I said, the key I think for this for this verse, other shadow, other shadow verses. Because you said, again, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, alluded to it. You see, um, for example, in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter eight and chapter nine, chapter ten, that talk about shadows, or you know, this is a becoming obsolete or whatever it might be, but certainly the shadow metaphor is that you mentioned the light, but to me when you talk about a shadow is that there's got to be, there's, a, there's always a reality behind the shadow. There's got to be something that casts the shadow, right? Um, <laughs> in other words, the shadow, this is where I think it can be easily missed, is that the shadow has value. It does have value. We always say, oh, it's just a shadow. A shadow has value. I mean, if, if, if you're hiding, if you're in a dark alleyway or something, and all of a sudden you see a shadow coming down the alleyway, and maybe you see a silhouette of a gun, oh, it's just a shadow. <laughs> no, I mean, there's something, there's something there. That shadow has some real importance, doesn't it? A shadow is not, you know, uh, is not just Again, this it's just a shadow. And I think that's, again, I may be preaching to the choir here, but this is, I think, some important uh, material that I wanted to talk about in the introduction because if we're all, if all along we're thinking, yeah, but this is, you know, this is all just kind of fun stuff from the past that we're learning about how significant it is in, in Jesus. Yes, and as we say, yes and no. I mean, there's definitely, yes, a lot of these things point too. But no in the sense where there's got to be value in it in and of itself as well. And the shadow is not something for us just to dismiss. Um, Stern quoted a gentleman, uh, part of a commentary, and and I'll read to you. I think as I put it in your notes as well, because in his commentary, this gentleman talked about the shadow. He says, we should not think slightingly of the shadow. It was no less than the divine promise of all the heavenly realities about to arrive. The shadow proved the actuality and even the nearness of the realities, for only an actual body 
and one that is not far away casts a shadow. Any thoughts? You some crinkled foreheads. Any thoughts and comments on that? Miss Mary? We don't, I, I, I mean, I think when you look at a shadow, you don't look at it in just terms of the shadow. You always look in terms of what the shadow is related to. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, you know, you can even look at it in terms of is the shadow coming before or is the shadow coming after? There's lots about shadows, how long it is, how short it is, this kind of stuff, how far away it is. I mean, you ever see a plane flying overhead and, the sh- and then all of a sudden the shadow comes and you're like, mm-hmm. I miss it, I mean, it's going so fast. One second, Phil, I think you had, a, you had something. Well, see, and to me, again, forgive me for context. <laughs> Please. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he starts out by talking about don't let somebody judge you, you, for what you're, essentially, what you're seeing, an active verb. So, so as a hunter, I'm a hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wood, and I see a shadow. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not going, what's that shadow? I'm trying to figure out what, what's in there. What is yeah. What is that shadow? And mm-hmm. it seems to me he's making that judgment of, or saying, don't let somebody judge you, because you're trying, you know, no one's 100% sure what that's all made up of. Mm-hmm. Don't let them judge you for perhaps you not being fully clear on it, understanding it totally. It's that active thing that that I'm doing. Don't let it judge you because you're looking at the shadow and you're going, is that an elk? Is that just yeah. the branch on that aspen? Don't, don't let one of your buddies come up and judge you and say, you're blind out of one eye and can't see out of the other in that shadow. That's right. a tree. Right. Just a... One of the best illustrations I ever heard was a pastor had uh, his wife died and left uh, three children. He was going to give a funeral service. As he was heading toward the funeral, uh, a truck went by and the car passed through the shadow, okay? Mm. So he said to his little girl, who was crying and everything, he said, uh, Mary, he said, what would you rather do? Would you rather go through the shadow of that truck, or would you rather have the truck hit you? Mm. She said, well, Daddy, I would just rather go through the shadow. And he says, that's what the scripture says. You will only pass through the shadow of death. What I'm getting from all of this, basically, if I make myself clear, if I can have clarity in mind here, is the shadow points to the truth. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what the shadow is. Yeah. You see a shadow, you want to find out what's making that shadow, so you search for the truth. Right. In our context, and the reason I'm making a big deal about this, and I think the reason it's in the introduction to this book as well, is because all of what we said, I mean, it's completely, makes absolute sense what everybody's saying. I mean, and no one's thinking, like, like, like Tony, I mean, Phil said, you see a shadow, you don't think, oh, there's no elk or the, the shadow or the silhouette with the gun wall. You realize there's something there. However, I think when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to these biblical feasts, when it comes to God's appointed time, I think that's what many of us have experienced. Like you mentioned in the past, maybe some of our friends in, in, in churches out there, which, which, we, which we love. Often when it comes to that, all of a sudden we, we, we go from thinking, yes, yeah, 
if something casts a shadow and that thing's important to you, it's just a shadow. What are you wasting your time looking in Leviticus 20? Who reads Leviticus anyways? I think that's often, again, I know I'm preaching to the choir a lot in this room, but I wanted to, to, to make sure we talk about that point because that is, on the one hand, we, we know we say all these things about shadows and the reality behind it and all these wonderful illustrations which are true. And then when it comes to Scripture, we kind of lose our brain a bit and say, oh, it's just a shadow, it's obsolete, it's passing away, there's no value in that. Yet when the, 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 you know, the, the New Covenant Scriptures are replete with references to these supposed shadows, this Victoria. Well, I think the shadow there is not perpetual to meant to be a shadow in your life all the time. Mm-hmm. And then that maybe those shadows are out there for you to see what it really is. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a shadow if it's not a light. Mm-hmm. You can have the object, but you need a light. And I think sometimes through the light of Christ mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit, you mm-hmm. can define what is producing that shadow. So right. it will not be a shadow in your life anymore. Right. Yeah, I think really in the, in the metaphor you were giving, I think the light is very important, but there's got there's something between the light and us that casts the shadow, which maybe is some of these things that are going to point us, hopefully, when we get to the end, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that anything we study in here, anything we study in Leviticus 23, is not pointing us anywhere other than to the substance, the true thing, the Savior, the Lord, um, and it's not pointing us to an observance that we could be talked to like uh, Amos was speaking to people. <laughs> yes, Glenn. Thank you. Uh, you know, Moses... Put, God instructed Moses to put up the uh, the pole and, and the brazen serpent, uh-huh. yeah. and then when the people were murmuring, complaining, and then right. the, the snakes were biting them, yeah. they would be saved if they'd only look up at that. Yeah, that's kind of a shadow of. That's a real vivid of, picture for sure. Is that a, <laughs> the pole no, Christ, you know, later on, God lifted up His Son. Yeah, that's a real, that's a very, very big foreshadow or, or allusion to so a messianic picture for sure. So, you know, we have the, we can see the new scripture, we can see the old, and, and yeah. we can see things more clearly. Yeah. Yeah, but people only got glimpses of future events that were going to occur. God showed them little bits and pieces. Yes, there's definitely, we have a lot of pictures and shadows, and maybe when it comes to Messiah and, and, and the death of the righteous and so forth, we have, you know, we don't have a um, what they call like flashing red lights in, in, the, in the Tanakh, the, the Hebrew scriptures, that was, okay, the next verse is a messianic passage, you know, we have, but yet we interpret these things and we see these pictures, these images, the death of the high priest, you know, the, the, from the, in the cities of refuge, also in, in, in the book of Numbers, I mean, these are clear pictures of Things you know that, that are showing us so in a sense or a shadow or foreshadowing for sure. But again, we have to look also. I don't believe there's double. Some people will say, well, there's double fulfillment in this prophecy. No, a prophecy is fulfilled or is not fulfilled. And that can be filled full, for instance, maybe later on or kind of two peaks to it or something. But the point is, there's got to be. So we've got to also look. Like you mentioned earlier about looking at the old, the, the, the old to the new. Sometimes we look. You know, if we're looking at, for instance, even Isaiah seven fourteen. We've got. We, I believe that's a virgin birth passage. However, we've got to have some answer also as to what that's talking about right then and there. We do. So it's the same with any of these things. We can't just say, it's oh, talking about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Talking about the, there's got to be something of value. All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness on its own. And there's got to be some value in that as well. Joanne, you had something to say? Yes. Um, I think it's safe to be going back to the Colossians passage. Mm. Because it's 16 and 17. When Which happens, which is which happens, which is why I bring which I bring it up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he said that that is therefore saying that one should not observe all these things. 
Um, I don't think that's a correct way of, 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 of understanding it. You have to understand what what is this is going on. Mm -hmm. Because he refers right after he talks about them, he says, let no one disqualify you by insisting on false humility and difficulty and difficulty. But what's that? Because what is false what what um what disqualifying is he talking you know, what false mm -hmm. humility is he talking about and then he says um um if you die to the basic principles of the world, you know, uh, why do you subject yourself to their rules? You know, what particular rules are you mentioned something on Jason's right? Right. But what exactly do those have to do with the feast? I mean Well I think just just are you asking me or are you asking what, what why people would think that? I mean because I think yeah, it starts yeah. off with one don't put one day over another. It says that.
what, what exactly does it mean? What way are we doing it in a way that Colossians are putting it over you and saying you must or whatever? But arguing, I think it's hard to argue from a scriptural standpoint that observing the biblical feasts is not something that a believer should do. I think it's hard to argue that from a, from a scriptural standpoint. And so I asked the question, I think these are in your notes as well, you know, it says, where does that leave many people? You know, when we look at these scriptures and we say, okay, yeah, I don't believe, you're right, I don't believe in what, what Amos is saying or what Mike is saying or that we're not supposed to do this, I'm sick of your feasts, I don't have the stench in my nostrils, and so, and it's all filled, fulfilled in Yeshua, um, fine, I, I'm, I'm there with you on that, but I'm just not sure what to do with these things. So, you know, okay, they're not done away with. They're not necessary, so I can be indifferent. And it becomes kind of what I think I put there in your notes, that it's a, becomes kind of a, it can become a bit of what's called like a postmodern conclusion. In other words, if it's good for you, if you find meaning in it, then great, and that's okay. And so I think we need to be somewhere between, in the middle of, you know, it's 100% necessary, you absolutely, positively must observe these things because it's kukat olam, it's forever, and don't you know what forever means? And 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scriptures got breathed. This is all scripture. Got to be somewhere between there and cool, man. Whatever for you is good and cool, and that's great too. And But however, I'm just going to take my one-third of the Bible and read that and think that I'm, I've got all the answers. Joanne? I think you had your hand. Um, yeah. Quickly. Two things. The basic argument I had is an appeal back to what I think Diane was the one who said uh, oh this one, convicted, I was convicted of it or something and the point of scripture I can't convict someone of scripture, scripture convicts, convicts I people. I know but I would, I would encourage people that I think it's, it's a good way to go I guess so okay. I would not just be we're going to, sp- exactly well, as I'm saying we're going to spend we're going to spend eight <laughs> weeks on it in fact I know if Heim were here he would ask us to, to read Romans 14 which is why I put in this I want to read, I want to read Romans 14 5 to 6 then we can uh, make a few concluding comments and then we're just about out of time so if you have your Bible I'm just going to read two verses of Romans 14. Um, Romans 14 often is, again, this is, this is almost a, a section of Scripture that can be taken as the, you know, your reality is cool for you kind of reality. And I think this is, you know, this is a place sometimes we really need to spend some time living in this passage, if you will, to meditate on it. But Romans 14, and I'm just going to read 5 through 6. This may sound a little familiar, kind of like the way Colossians started there. Um, Romans 14, verse 5, says, One person esteems one day over another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his or her own mind. The one who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and the one who does not observe the day to the Lord, they also do not observe it. The one who eats, eats to the Lord, for he, gives God, he or she gives God thanks, and the one who does not eat uh, to the Lord 
does not eat and gives the Lord thanks. So the point is we do everything to the Lord, and that's this is the place we need to, this, this, is, this is not a simple fix. This needs to be worked out over time. This needs to be worked out through your own study of Scripture. Are there definitely erring brothers and sisters that need to be brought back? And the book of James talks about those kind of things. Absolutely, there are times for that. Um, I don't believe God's appointed times that he talks about are for that necessarily, but I would highly uh, tell people that, look, this is, not, this is not something to be taken lightly either. These are God's appointed times. They're pretty clearly laid out in Scripture, as we'll see as you read through Leviticus 23. Um, we'll talk about what they are. Uh, uh, Tony mentioned the holiness and set apartness. That's part of the words, and I'm going to talk about next week some of the Hebrew words that are mentioned when it talks about these moadim. Michael mentioned moadim. There are several other words that are associated with that um, word moed, mohel moed, mikrei kodesh, set apart holy times that are all very important. So I wouldn't take them lightly for sure. Um, so Again, when we consider God's appointed times, just these last few points on your notes here, there must be there must be more than just nostalgic and cool. And certainly for us, from a if you want to call it a missiological standpoint, to use a fancy word, uh, as part of the Messianic Jewish congregation, and I believe the larger body as well needs to consider these because it conveys to uh, to what I would say traditional Jewish people, or you know just Jewish people at large, if you will. We are at large sometimes. Uh, it conveys the idea that you know what that you don't have a separate religion. We don't have a separate religion. I think someone else mentioned here before, like, you know, that's for you guys, this is for Jews, that's for Gentiles. The point is when we when we observe these, when we take these seriously, when we look into them, we look into the scripture behind them, when we look at what God talks about, spends a lot of time talking about them, and in the, the new, new Covenant as well, I think when we, when we do that, it also expresses to the larger Jewish community that, that we're not a separate body in a sense, and that this is not a separate religion. Now granted, there's going to be arguments because of how you celebrate and how we celebrate, and that's not what tradition says and so forth, but we're going to look at the scripture itself. Glee, you, did you have something? Any closing comments for briefly? We're, we're just about I want to respect time. We have child care as well, but yes. Oh, okay, I, I didn't see your, your kind of low down. I'll get you next. No. I'll get you. I, didn't, I think one of the things that the Lord has said to me tonight, you know, as you're speaking, and what the Holy Spirit is saying is I don't know if I really thought of this until until tonight. It's the first time I've ever been in a meeting like this. Is the importance of all of the traditions and everything and the, all of the holidays that the Jews uh, celebrate. Mm-hmm. The importance of it for us to understand what is being said in the New Testament. A lot of times we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read these things, but we don't understand the historical content of it. Sure. Which I think is so important. That's what it says to me. Mm-hmm. The problem is, in my opinion, is that we not become legalistic mm-hmm. as the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. That they missed the whole point of the of the whole New Testament and who the Messiah was. They should have known who the Messiah was. They had the prophecies and everything of anyone. They should have known. And some did, and, and granted, you know, the um, we miss a lot of things, and guarantee when Yeshua comes back, we'll miss a lot of things. These 900,000-page uh, theology books that I had to study in seminary, guarantee they lay it out perfectly, and I know they've missed something, and they've got it. They've got it and believe me, they're brilliant, and the Pharisees were brilliant, and the Pharisees were, were protectors yeah. of doctrine as well, and they, they, they missed it as well. Maurice, you can have the final comment if you'd like, because we're right at 8 o'clock. I'll stick around and we can talk some more. We'll officially close the. How, how are we going to wait? Do we wait? You know, we talked about the 
how we deal with people, I mean, we tell them that they're wrong, obviously, right? <laughs> I mean, that's easy. No, but I think, I mean, I have no answer to your question other than, I read Romans 14, 5, and 6, I think back up to 1 and read the whole chapter and read it and read it and read it and meditate, because I think no matter what, we all put value on all kinds of stuff. And in fact, there are days when we have value on one thing, we're no value on one thing, and the next day all of a sudden we have value on it. I mean, we do that, not even just with a point of feast, I mean... There are, there are crazy things we do when circumstances dictate otherwise. I mean, not, not to get too off on a tangent, but I, I remember the scene in, in, in Schindler's List when, you know, believe me, my kids drive me nuts sometimes. Of course, everyone's kids drive But I'm not going to think about giving them to the neighbors. But boy, when the time hits, when that became a reality, all of a sudden, things change. And people bring their kids to the neighbor's house because there's a complete now. I would hope that, you know, as we pray, we meditate on the word uh, because I... I can read 2 Timothy 3.16, I can believe that this description, if I believe this description, it should all be extremely important to me. And gosh, why don't I put much emphasis on building my sukkah, on, you know, on sukkot? I really should. So I need to pray about that. I need to be in, in Romans 14. I need, to, I need to, 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 to ask the Lord for that because otherwise, if I'm the benchmark and I'm saying this isn't value, this is not value, I mean, that can get us in a lot of trouble. That's why we have hopefully a, a benchmark that we go by. Well, Mike, would you mind closing us in prayer, and then we can we can stick around and mill around for a little while if you'd like, but we'll just officially stop now. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the word that was expressed tonight. We just ask you that you would continue to reveal yourself and your son, the Messiah, through these feasts. Thank you, Lord, that we have this heritage that we can study and look at. And we pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to you by our study of it. At the end of the day, we all want to be closer to you. And so we give you much honor and glory for what's taken place. Watch over us and keep everyone safe and draw us all back here together on Shabbat. And we give you glory and honor in Yeshua's name.